From Touchstone Pictures, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin times two equals... The funniest movie I've seen in a long time. Fabulous. It's terrific. Yes. Go see the movie. It's Big Business. Two thumbs up. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. You like it, the juice? You like it, the juice? I don't know that I even have the energy for like a... You know, like I, I like to put a spin on that a lot of the time. But uh, this movie doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Um. Before we get into it, I just I want to say the title of the film. Well, first I want to say welcome to Saturday Night Jive, if this is your first podcast. We're a podcast where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. Meaning, we watch movies sometimes that have a Saturday Night Live cast member in the background of a scene for two seconds. Which was the case this week. And I feel like this is the second, at least the second time, if not the third time, where we've gotten Mary Gross, we decided for whatever reason not to watch Feds, and then we're, we're proceeded to be disappointed. I feel like next time we just gotta fucking watch Feds. I know, we just gotta bite the bullet and watch Feds next time, because we watched Big Business from 1988, starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin as two sets of twins, and god damn it, was this movie just boring as all hell i i don't remember shit about this thing and i just watched it twice today i liked one joke in the very beginning the very last joke of the movie and nothing else in between (laughs) wait what was the one joke in the very beginning when the the doctor puts the pee on the tray and then she it's implied that she gave it to the the patient oh i missed that i missed so much in this movie i think because i i watched it twice but both times I just kind of like started zoning out and I would just like pay attention to other things. Not like, oh, I'm going to play a game on my phone, but I would pay attention to like, oh, what's outside my window? (laughs) There's got to be something else my eyes can look at other than big business. The problem with this movie is it's all one joke. It's there's two sets of twins and the people around them don't know which one is which. It's not a joke. It's the setup. (laughs) It's one big setup. With no fucking punchline! They don't do any jokes with it! That's the thing. Yeah, it's the potential for jokes based on this premise of misunderstanding which is which, but they never actually do anything funny with it through the yeah, entire this, fucking movie. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to start with a plot description or my... I'll start with how I watched this movie. I was watching I, this... I don't want to start with anything right away. I want to talk about something completely different. Can I do that? Yeah, sure. Because if you listen to last week's episode... Uh, we watched Short Circuit 2, and I just want to, maybe this is just a recommendation, maybe we can go into it, because I have nothing to talk about big business, but I was on on YouTube, and I was looking up the theme to Short Circuit 2, because I wanted to listen to it again at work, and that got me to the music video for Who's Johnny by DeBarge, which is from the first Short Circuit movie. Oh, yeah. And again, we can go play-by-play if you want, because it is the greatest music video of all time, and I just want to talk about it. <laughs> It's got Groucho Marx glasses. It's got a cardboard cutout of Steve Gutenberg where the mouth is cut out and he's singing along with it. And like I think I think the uh, DeBarge is on trial for murder, but then he like seduces the the, fem- the the female prosecutor who her evidence is just clips from the movie Short Circuit. She pulls out like a, a Manila folder marked evidence and pulls out a VHS tape of Short Circuit. <laughs> and Johnny Five's arm keeps like causing mischief. It is fucking phenomenal. And it's a great song as well. Yeah, I've always loved that song. It's been a while since I watched the music video, but I do remember the courtroom. And I always wondered, like, what what was he on trial for, El DeBarge? Why did he get arrested? And why is this robot helping him? 
Well, I think he was probably part of the gang that convinced him to steal all the radios out of the cars. <laughs> and they finally caught up with him. But anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about because uh, that's way that music video from the '80s is way more amazing than anything in big business. Yeah. Um. I, here's how I watched this movie. I started watching this movie. I'm getting bored. About an hour in, I'm still bored, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute! The twins haven't even met each other." I'm an hour into this movie. I keep watching, and then finally, the twins meet, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Now we're in for something, right?" Wait, there's only 10 minutes left in the movie? Well, fuck, I don't know what's going to happen. Shit, I have to go back to work. So I start working, and then like five hours later, I'm like, oh yeah, the ending of Big Business. I had like completely forgot, not only that I watched the movie, but that I watched an hour and 20 minutes of the movie and did not watch the last 10. Well, that's... Because, yeah, the, the whole thing is set up for, again possible or hypothetical jokes about the fact that these twins are mixed matched but once you meet once they meet then you can't do that anymore so all they have to do is save the day i guess you know end the arc for about the you know possibly strip mining the town and then that's it then then but i do got to talk about that fuck it i don't care i'm skipping to the very end of this movie because a question i have like they all have sort of significant others by the end you have like Bette Midler and then her twin, and then Lily Tomlin and her twin, and one of the, the 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 snooty rich Bette Midler goes off with the the swarthy Italian financier guy, and then the two Lily Tomlins both reconcile with their respective guys, Fred Ward and Michael Gross, who would later go on to be together in Tremors and Tremors too, by the way, um, and Michael Gross, brother of Mary Gross, who we're watching this movie for, um, and then the other Bette Midler, the 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 rednecky Bette Midler. She just, I guess, is together with the other Bette Midler's ex-husband, and is he just, like, pretending that she's his wife and the mother of his child? Is he telling the kid, like, hey, this isn't actually your mother, it's her twin sister we didn't know she had, but she's basically your mom now? I suppose so. I I don't understand anything that's really going on in this movie, and we need to... (laughs) We need to talk about what the fuck the movie is. Because if you've never seen Big Business, uh, it's the stupidest... And you've never seen Big Business. Don't don't allow for the possibility that anybody's fucking seen Big Business. I've heard of this as a cult classic before. I have heard... No, you haven't. I have heard people talk about this as being like an underrated gem or like... um, But now that I look back on that, those are all my uh, homosexual friends who I've heard that from. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, of course, it's a Bette Midler Lily Tomlin comedy. Of course you're going to love this. Uh, oh, it's also got the angel from Chances Are, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. The uh, One of the concierges. Oh, the guy at the front he desk. was the angel in Chances Are. Yes, he's the angel in Chances Are that wants to murder uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, well, I guess bring his soul back or whatever. I don't know. what. The, I still don't fucking... I don't remember the fucking plot of that movie. <laughs> the, the plot of that movie was a little confusing. But anyway, uh, there's a weird undercurrent of this movie where twins are apparently horrifying monsters to the point where I'm wondering if maybe maybe this movie exists in the same universe as Multiplicity and this is Dr. Harris Yulin's endgame where there are just random clones everywhere. Well, they do think that they're clones at first. When uh, the two twins meet, they're like, fuck, clones, I knew it! Like, that's their first assumption, is that somehow their DNA has been harvested and two other versions of themselves have been created in a lab. Uh, that, that's their first. But then the homeless guy at the end has a twin. <laughs> 
And then in the credits, there's like triplets, and the guy's like, oh my god, more twins. So it's like, there are too many twins for it to be just a weird coincidence. I feel like this is a world where there's a cloning facility somewhere you can go to to get a twin, if you want, to be your slave. Well, I, it's, I think it's just because there's two... Well, they don't even know that they're twins. Nobody knows that they're twins in this movie. Okay, we have to set up the plot of this movie before we get any deeper into it. So... Bette Midler, and we... Can... I don't want to talk about it. You can't make me. <laughs> uh, just a quick synopsis of the plot of Big Business. <laughs> so, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. When they were born, uh, Bette Midler and Bette Midler twins were born to a rich couple. And then a Lily Tomlin and Lily Tomlin twins were born to a country couple. And then they both uh, were born at the exact same time, and they got switched. So now we have Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin... Uh, it's like a Prince and the Popper thing or like a Country Mouse and City Mouse where you got Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin in New York City running a business and then you got Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin in like backwoods Wyoming and then uh, the the rich twins are doing this like corporate bailout. It's fucking corporate intrigue in a movie that I always hate. Have you ever cared about corporate mergers in a comedy? No, but it's, it's an easy go-to for like... It's like uh, we gotta save the... Uh, whatever we got to band together to save the thing. It's a, that you know, the ski resort is being bought out by an evil industrialist. Whatever the fuck it is, it's a it's an easy thing for everybody to rally against. Yeah, but it's always just like the fucking worst when I have to like try to focus on like what this corporation does. Like I don't know what <laughs> Moramex is that the name of the company? Yes, it's Which, like Miramax but with one letter different. Moramax. Which I, I actually did think this was kind of interesting the way they did it. Because in the opening flashback, the uh, the rich couple are in the, I guess they're in the country visiting somebody, at the but they, they get waylaid in the, uh, on the way because the wife is pregnant. So they have to give birth in this small town hospital. But when they get there, the small town hospital is only for employees of a specific business of, a, I guess it's a, the mill or something that, you know, the biggest business in the town. And so he goes, oh, and then the owner lives next door. And then the guy who, you know, is uh, when you find out later is really, really, really rich, he basically buys the mill in order for the hospital to then be under his purview so that his wife can give birth there. And then that is why years later, Moramax owns it. And, and Bette Midler, who now runs the company, is like, what? why do we own this fucking mill? Let's just fucking cash out on this, make a profit on the investment. I kind of liked that as a narrative device. Again, it doesn't make the movie good, but it was an interesting way to sort of make that matter to the story. Well, and then they need to get the two twins together, I guess. So um, the country twins are going to New York to save their town from this uh, corporate buyout thing. Um, And then if you had a movie, if you were writing a movie where you had two sets of twins, um, what would be like the one thing you would have those two sets of twins do? Like, probably, like, meet each other, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But again, that's a different movie than the one this movie wanted to tell. This movie wanted to tell, uh, you know, like a like a French farce kind of thing where it's, like, people coming, coming in and out of doors at just the right moment and, and people not understanding who's who. And again, you can't do that if they know that they're around each other. Yeah, and that's all this movie is, is it's just you have in one hotel... You now have the rich uh, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin and the country Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. They're in the same hotel and they just keep crossing paths without me seeing each other. But then like Bette Midler's ex-husband will go up to the country Bette Midler and go, Hey, our son is a Seth Green is a big brat. You have to do something. And she's like, oh, heck, I don't know what you're talking about. 
or uh, Fred Ward, the mini golf champion of Minnesota, whatever the fuck he was, is like, oh, I gotta go uh, get my fiance Lily Tomlin. But he meets the wrong Lily Tomlin, and there's that. And then at no point do does anybody know that there's two sets of Bette Midler's and Lily Tomlin's in this movie until ten minutes before the movie's over, and then they just go to a meeting and they're like, let's not sell the town. Hooray! And then it's uh, Steve Winwood end credits. And I will say, and this is not a good movie by any stretch of the way. It's not a, uh, <laughs> not being a gay man, I don't consider this to be a cult classic. But I will say I came away from this movie thinking it was a good movie purely because I laughed at the last joke. And that's just the sheer power of Steve Winwood's higher love. I think you put that at the end of any movie. You go, that's a, that's a good movie, right? <laughs> The samesies. I had the same thing. I hated watching this movie. I remember almost nothing about it. That whole thing you were telling me about Bette Midler's dad buying the thing, news to me. I totally missed that in the film. But at the very end, blooper credits over Steve Winwood's higher love, and I'm like, well, fuck, I'll listen to this for three minutes. <laughs> I'll stay for the end credits. I hated the meal, but I loved the dessert. I mean, it could have been Valerie, could have been Why You See a Chance. Pretty much any Steve Winwood song at the end of a credit sequence in an 80s movie, I'm on board. Yeah. Well, and that's that's when I could tell that I wasn't paying very close attention to the movie because they started showing those, like, blooper credits. And I was like, I don't remember this scene. I don't remember this scene. (laughs) So I thought the blooper credits were like a Master of Disguise situation, but it turns out I just totally forgot this movie, like, right when it ended. Well, and the thing is, I, I... I described it a little disingenuously. I said that this was a movie that was purely set up around the potential for mismatch jokes. This movie, I feel, is entirely set up so that we can have the drunk guy does a double take joke. <laughs> like, I feel like they started with that. They were like, we're going to have a drunk guy outside the hotel they're in. And he's going to be like, what was that? And then... And then that's just going to keep coming back. I feel like that was the point of this movie. Everything else was tangential to that. Okay, so I guess we can, if you want to, we can jump to the ending shot of this film. I do. I, I, def, I desperately want to do that because it's the only <laughs> thing that's relevant to me or in my life right now. So I, I have said that nobody in this hotel knows that there's two sets of Bette Midlers and two sets of Lily Tomlins running around. The only person who's wise to this is a... The bum outside the hotel keeps seeing different Bette Midlers and different Lily Tomlins in different outfits. And he's like, what's going on in here? And then at the very end of the movie, a clean cut version of the bum just walks by. And then he just looks directly at the camera going, eh, you see this? I had a twin all along. This movie is... It's the dumbest fucking thing. This movie is so just bland and boring and terrible and then at the very end they have the audacity to end it with bum looks in the camera and goes who freeze frame steve winwood it's the only thing i liked in this movie and i'm willing to stand by i will defend this movie to my death that last sequence was gold everything else was garbage yeah this, this movie's uh this is bad don't watch this movie like please if you're listening to this Don't watch this movie. You will get nothing out of it. This is not the worst movie we've ever seen, but my God, was it bland and boring. I could not pay attention to it. I tried. It's a movie about two twins. I thought I was in for some fucking gold. And I'm just like, 
Ugh, I'm just staring at the fucking walls. I'm like, oh, I guess I could, like, you know, I could knock that fucking cobweb out of the corner. Well, the problem is they don't establish the characters much at all. But more than that, they're not all that different. Other than one's from the country, one set's from the country, one set's from the city. Their personalities aren't interesting or diverse enough for the switcheroos to be any fun. Yeah. Like, it's it's almost believable that you would walk up to them and not knowing they have a twin, interact with them in such a way that you would walk away from that conversation still not knowing that anything was wrong because they're not different enough where, like, comical situations would naturally arise. Yeah, and nothing too much uh, happens with that at all. I mean, Fred Ward grabs the wrong Lily Tomlin... And that's it. He just goes on a date with the wrong Lily Tomlin. And they never fucking find out about it. That's the thing. A a plot like this, it needs increasingly crazy scenarios to justify the enterprise of nobody knows who's who. And it's becoming increasingly implausible that that's maintaining itself. And nobody's asking questions. Or the people that are asking questions, what questions they're asking, are being distracted by other crazy shit that's happening. It needs to be a roller coaster ride of crazy misunderstandings whereas this is like the laziest bumper car ride of of crazy misunderstandings it's just there's nothing nothing interesting happens with the premise yeah and for me it was like just it was the whole movie was just setting up like when are these two twins going to meet was that your experience or were you enjoying the fact that that's what the movie was focusing on is just the the comic miscom or the comic complications of not knowing you have a twin in the same building. Well, I mean, I, I I will never say I was enjoying anything in this movie other than the hobo at the end, but I feel like I wasn't necessarily looking forward to the meeting because I didn't allow for myself any possibility that, like, that would be an improvement. I wasn't in my head going like, well, if only they met sooner, this would be better. No, there was no better for us. This movie killed that, <laughs> that possibility. Well, and I think that's the reason why it's so bad is because... The the two sets of twins, they get to New York City. They get to the same hotel. The country twins get in the wrong limo, so they go to the fancy hotel. Uh, the hotel clerk thinks that they're the, the rich twins, so they go into the suite. Then the rich twins get there, and they're like, what? Someone's in our suite. And I'm like, oh, okay. So all the twins are in the same hotel room. Are they going to meet? No, they're not. And then they get adjoining rooms because the rich twins get put in the room next to them. I'm like, oh, so they're now they're in the rooms next to each other. Are they going to meet? No, they're not going to meet. Oh, they're running for the same elevator. Is this where they meet? No, they're not going to meet. And then there's just all these fucking crisscrosses through the whole movie. And I'm like, when the fuck is Bette Midler going to run into fucking Bette Midler already? And there's nothing funny about any of those. No, there's not. It, this movie is painfully unfunny. Well, no, it's, it's to the point where it feels like it wasn't meant to be funny. Like, it's clearly marketed as a comedy, but it, when you watch it, it feels like it's not being made that way. The tone does not feel... I mean, there's little things, but, like, for the most part, it doesn't feel like they were setting out to make a comedy at all. They were just trying to make, like, a lighthearted drama about two twin sisters. But, but the premise is so crazy and convoluted that it's the kind of thing that only exists in a comedy, so you're waiting for the jokes, and then they never come. Yeah. I found something interesting. <laughs> something piqued my Wait, interest in the IMDb. I wonder trivia. if it's the same thing I'm gonna. Is it about a TV show? Yes. Are you referring to the Nut House? Have you heard of this? I'd never heard of this. I've never heard of this, and I am way more interested in talking about the Nut House than I am about Big Business. To the point where I'm fucking tracking this show down. It's I guess it's a one season wonder kind of thing. I, I canceled fairly or uh, early. Oh, produced by Mel Brooks. It's on YouTube in its entirety. I watched a little bit of it. It is terrible. 
But no, explain the fucking... Explain why the Nuthouse exists and why it's related to this fucking movie. This is why what's fascinating to me and why I feel like movie production companies need to be like... Have some kind of like um, federal overview or something. Like someone from the government needs to be paying attention to how movie productions are spending their fucking money. Because... Big business takes place in the Plaza Hotel in New York City. Well, they couldn't film in the Plaza Hotel. They couldn't get the permits. They weren't allowed to film in the Plaza Hotel. So what did they do? They probably found a different hotel that they were allowed to film in, right? Didn't they just... Right. You know, change the script. It doesn't have to be the Plaza Hotel. We'll go to a different hotel. We'll film. No. These idiots are like, let's build a fucking replica of the Plaza Hotel so we can film our movie in it. That's fucking insane. There are hotels all over New York City. You can't find one hotel that is suitable for filming your fucking Bette Midler movie. And not only that, like, it's, yes, it's that kind of hubris thing that I feel like even now, like, in the age of, like, massive blockbusters, like, fucking Avengers and shit, I feel like even they wouldn't... Like, they still have to justify doing shit like that. Like, they spend a lot of money on those movies, but you see it on the screen. I, I feel like they don't do that where it's just like, oh, we fucked up and couldn't film somewhere, somewhere, so let's spend millions more dollars trying to recreate it. I don't think they would even do that now. No, they're not going to build, like, Hawkeye's farm or something. They're just going to go film at a farm. Yeah, no, that's... But no, but because of that, and this opens up just a world of fucking possibilities to me that I never considered. Because they had this set that they built, in order to recoup costs... They created a whole TV show set in a hotel and called it the Nut House and went hired fucking Mel Brooks to and fucking Harvey Corman and shit and Cloris Leachman. So now there is a TV show that is filming on the set of Big Business starring Harvey Corman and Cloris Leachman created by Mel Brooks. Uh, yeah, it's on YouTube. I, I checked out, I wanted to just check out the theme song and the theme song was like so not fun. I was hoping for like a nice 80s like you know with like Harvey Corman like tripping over shit it's not fun and then I started watching a little bit of one of the episodes and one of the main critiques I have is it's uh, shot on film but it still uses a laugh track I read about that apparently Mel Brooks tried to get him to not use the laugh track and and designed it to not have one but the studio forced it on him yeah so it's kind of like in that mash thing where it's like well where's the fucking who's laughing at this like i can see that there's no audience you know you can obviously tell that it's shot on film uh and i think it would have been beneficial for this thing to have a live audience because the way the script at least the one episode i watched uh the way the script was written it was in that sitcom style of like you know set up punchline set up punchline and if you had like an audience laughing in there and you had the traditional like three camera thing, it wouldn't look as lame, but now it looks really lame because they tell a bad joke. You hear obvious canned laughter. And then it's just like Harvey Corman staring at Cloris Leachman for five seconds. And just that totally ruins the timing when you do stuff like that. But no, but just because I'm thinking of this in terms of another quasi Mel Brooks production, at least Mel Brooks adjacent. Do you know the story of the blazing saddles TV show? Yeah. Where, and for anybody that doesn't know this, uh, some TV uh, network had the rights to do a TV show of Blazing Saddles. You've never seen the Blazing Saddles TV show. It exists in its entirety. You've maybe seen the pilot, if you've found it on YouTube. There is an entire show that they just filmed 
in secret because they wanted to maintain the rights to it and they had to be maintain production. They ne- the contract never said they had to air it. So like fucking Lewis Gossett Jr. and a bunch of people are fucking filming this show that I think even they knew no one was ever going to see. And just like like I'm just bringing it up as an example of like weird reasons to do a TV show. You just had a set. So you wonder like how certain sitcoms get made and you think about it and you're like fucking Holmes and Yo-Yo, like one one's a cop and one's a robot. Who the fuck but maybe it was just like, oh, there's a weird tax credit and it only applies if you got a robot in your sitcom and that's why they made that fucking show or whatever the fuck it is. Just whatever whatever weird thing, like whatever weird show you'd like, what what the fuck reason would they ever have to do it? There's a reason and it's probably fucking dumb. <laughs> we owed Peter Boyle some money, so we had to make Puchinski. <laughs> You know, I, that's another one I've always been curious about. There, is there only a pilot to that, or did that actually have a, like a, a full season? Puchinski, I think, is just a pilot, an unaired pilot. There's one uh, that I've never been able to find even the pilot of, but I think it had like seven episodes or something, where it was like an orangutan who was a congressman. Hail to the chimp? Or a judge or something. It might have even been called that. I don't remember. It. I, think, I think it was like Mr. Charlington or something. It was like some weird name like that, but it was a fucking orangutan pol- politician. And I, I got to look it up again, but I, I was desperate to find that for a while. But just, yeah, fucking the history of dumbass TV show ideas. I feel like half of them, there was some other completely tangential reason why you would want to do that show. That if you explain it, like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense from a practical reason. But in the end, you got the, the secret diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. And nobody wanted to see that. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. That one a movie would just build a replica of an actual hotel rather than finding another fucking hotel to film in. And two, that they're like, oh shit, we spent all this money on a hotel set. What are we going to do with it? Call Harvey Corman and Cloris Leachman and see if we can make a TV show here. And it's like, you think of how much money goes into these movies and like, you know, we, we don't have enough money to like house the homeless. You build a whole set and then instead of going like, let's convert it into affordable housing for homeless people, you went, no, let's make the nut house. Right? <laughs> we built a hotel. Let's give it to people that need rooms and homes. Exactly. That's why I'm saying we need some kind of fucking congressional oversight here. Because if I would have seen that, I would have been like, wait, you're spending how much money to build this set? No, 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 no. You go down, film in fucking California. There's got to be a fucking hotel set somewhere. I remember reading a figure somewhere where there was some, and it was in the trillions of dollars, but it was like, you, you just spend this amount of money, you could literally eliminate poverty. And I feel like whatever that amount was, it wasn't as much as movie studios spend on movies a year. Uh, and just, and fucking terrible movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the thing. I, I could live without movies. I, I have enough movies. I have all the movies I'll ever need. All the ones they've already made. Just stop making movies and eliminate poverty with all the money that used to go into making movies. That's, that's my, what I'm advocating for now. Stop making movies for like a year and you can do that. It's, it's fucking... And, and, but we didn't get that. Instead, we got Big Business, a movie that no one should fucking watch. No, you should never watch this movie. Um, because, yeah, these twins, they just they keep near missing each other. And then when they do finally meet each other... Oh, good lord, could I have done without the fucking duck soup mirror gag. That, I... And that's a thing where, like, I always feel weird whenever I see shit from old movies that I know my generation didn't watch. And I think I've talked about that, like, when Family Guy will reference fucking Jackie Gleason and shit. 
Like, it feels like you're stealing it. It doesn't feel like you're paying homage. I'm sure if you asked Bette Midler at the time of this movie, they would be like, yeah, we're paying homage to Duck Soup, and isn't it fun? But, like, for her, it's it was probably a tribute. But anybody watching this movie today, let's say they find that bit funny, they're not, they're not, they don't know what the fuck Duck Soup is, and it pisses me off. It feels like it's not homage, it's theft. Yeah, well, and it's not even a good theft, because this was just, this was lame. Yeah, they don't really even do it well. Yeah. Now, they do that thing where Bette Midler is walking by a mirror, and then the mirror stops, but she still sees Bette Midler because she's seeing her twin, and then they do the thing where, oh, one does one thing and the other does the... They're doing the same thing. So it doesn't even make sense. The duck soup mirror gag makes sense because Harpo is dressed up as Groucho trying to trick Groucho. This one doesn't make any sense. They're just two twins doing the same movements to each other. Yeah, no, well, I don't know. I guess you could say that, like, they have genetic things. Like, the, the idea is, like, the two Bette Midlers are similar in personality, even though they grew up differently, and the same with the two Lily Tomlins. <laughs> so, so if they saw a mirror version of themselves, they would make the exact same hand gestures and do the exact same thing? Yeah, it's like, like, like the nature versus nurture debate. I feel like movements in the mirror is pure nature. It's just something you're born with. This <laughs> is... Why do I always, when I see a mirror version of myself that I'm pretty sure is not a mirror, why do I always make like this little facial gesture and I put my hand in front of my nose? Why do I do that? Well, that's just your genetics, son. All of those moments in my life that I run into pretty much every other day where I'm looking in a mirror and part of me thinks maybe that's another me in that mirror and not just my reflection (laughs) happens all the fucking time. You don't do that every day. I I fucking, I get up, I brush my teeth, and I'm like, who's that motherfucker who looks like me brushing his teeth? And then I start brushing my teeth erratically the way I wouldn't do in normal life. Just to make sure he catches up with me. He always does, but one day he's going to slip up that man in my bathroom. And the thing is, I get why, like, they see each other and they realize what's going on in that moment. And they're screaming and going, what the hell? Because if I, if I met a person who looked just like me and my doppelganger, I would be freaking out. But I don't get why the two gay guys come in and they freak out just as much. Wouldn't, I mean, they'd be confused, certainly. But I don't know that they would be, have like an existential horror moment where they're like, oh my god, two people that look the same? I know. If, if I saw two of you in the same room, I probably wouldn't go, ah! I'd probably go, alright, somebody's got to explain this shit. Why are there two Bens? And which one do I shoot? Well, you'll never know at that point, because we'll be dressed the same, just as Bette Midler is inexplicably found, finds herself in the same outfit that the other Bette Midler's in. I know, and I I wanted to rewind and go back to see like how they set that up, but I was like, wait, what? what, what how are they in the same fucking outfit? I think that's all I got left. I don't, I got nothing else for this piece of shit. <laughs> no, because that's, yeah, that, nothing, nothing happens. Oh, that's right. And fucking ESPN shows fucking mini golf. I did want to talk about this. <laughs> no. Well, I, I did kind of want to talk about Fred Ward and his, his mini golf ascension. Sorry, we're watching it in the background. And ESPN, no, they have maybe as a joke, or maybe like when there was like ESPN three and four, and maybe now when there's no sports, maybe they're showing mini golf. But at this point, no, they were not fucking showing mini golf. Hi, everybody. Chick Hearn here with ESPN's coverage of the 26th Annual Mini Masters. Oh, it's a gorgeous day for professional putt-putt, and we've got ourselves a real barn burner. 
You know what? Ironically enough, given, given my objection to this in multiplicity, I feel like what this movie needed more of, it needed to be a little dirtier. Like if like they were like fucking each other's wives and husbands and boyfriends and not knowing it. I mean, again, it's kind of rapey, but I feel like that might have been extreme enough where I would have appreciated it. Well, I I don't understand the structure of this movie. I mean, we've talked about it <laughs> so much now. Um, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's it's just set up. Every other version of this story, Prince and the Popper, Country Mouse, City Mouse, they meet, they swap identities. That's the fucking story. Why, why don't you do that? Why don't, in the middle of this movie, they go, what? We have twins? Uh, you're not my sister. I'm not your sister. This is my real sister. I, I have an identical twin who's like way more successful than me. Hey, let's have fun here instead of saving this for the last 10 minutes of the movie. The thing is, there's another reference, though, that I've never read it, but there's a Shakespeare play, A Comedy of Errors. It's not one of the Shakespeare plays I know about, but I would suspect that's probably closer to what this is, where it's dramatic irony. The audience knows, but the characters don't. Mm. Okay, well, maybe that works. This did not. Big business well, is a big old I mean, maybe, maybe this Abrams film didn't live up to Shakespeare. <laughs> is it unfair for me to... Compare big business to William Shakespeare, the immortal words of the bard. I don't think so. I think I think that should, should be the bare minimum standard. I think if you make a movie in 1988 with Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin, you should just expect that comparison. Uh, but yeah, I, I got nothing else other than yeah, the doctor in the beginning drank pee. I feel like at this point after Grown Ups 2 with the deer piss and Land of the Lost, we now have to add person drinking pee onto the list of... <laughs> Things that make it a, a Saturday Night Jive movie. <laughs> Things we see in too many movies. Uh, so yeah. So now instead of uh, talking about but big definitely, movies. definitely want look up the DeBarge Who's Johnny video. I recommend that. Do that and watch watch the first ten minutes where the doctor drinks piss. That was fine. And you everything else. You know what? Uh, go and watch uh, Feds. <laughs> Check out Feds. I've never seen. No, the whole wait thing. for us. We will watch Feds eventually, and you will watch along with us. But uh, don't watch any movies unless we watch them first. That's we got to tell you if they're good or not. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, next time we get Mary Gross Feds, because I was I was bummed out about that too. Like there was no Mary Gross in this movie, and if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I love me some Mary Gross. Well, she's in like like two scenes, one of which involves some kind of animal cruelty that I wasn't a fan of. Uh, it's totally slipped my mind. What what happened? Well, the the uh, the little the city Lily Tomlin, who's kind of innocent and and doesn't like working for the company, she finds a stray dog that she has on a like a makeshift leash, like one of her scarves is its leash. But then she traps it in the elevator, and like the leash goes up, and you hear it kind of like, mm. and then it, it it survives, but it get it gets mad at her and barks at her, and yeah, it's just it's a it's a to establish that she's kind of flighty, but do you need to harm a fucking right. dog to do that? I'm so comically inept, I murdered this animal. Now that we've done talking about big business, this is the part of the show where we pick out our SNL cast member for next week. Apologies to Mary Gross. We'll watch a better movie for you next time we pick you. I'm not making any guarantees that Feds is any better than this. I'm just right. saying we're going to watch it. <laughs> like Feds is going to be a fucking masterpiece. Um, all right, so apologies to Mary Gross, but we're going to go to the Excel spreadsheet and pick our cast member for next week. Pick a number between 25 and 153. If it, if it ends up being Tim Kasarinsky, I swear to fucking God. Okay, um, 68. 68 is our good friend Victoria Jackson. 
Oh, fuck me. The last time we got Victoria Jackson, we had to watch that fucking Alter Egos movie with the, the old man makeup. There's that one with the talking cat that saves the president, but we couldn't find it. She was also on SNL for a long time, so, I mean, we could watch, like... I mean, we can watch... I'm up for an episode. We haven't watched one in a while. I think she... If you wanted to watch the Steven Seagal episode, I'm pretty sure she was in that season. I'm up for that. Baby Boom. Someone was just in Baby Boom. Who else is in Baby Boom? I feel like Mary Gross was in Mary Baby Gross Boom. Mary Gross is in Baby Boom. <laughs> Mary Gross and Victoria Jackson are both in Baby Boom. Is that interesting? <laughs> it's as interesting as, hey, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin are in a movie where they play twins. Let's watch that. Won't that be fun? Yeah. There was a time... There was a time when I thought a movie with Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin as twins would be fun. Um, yeah. We've looked up all of these Victoria Jackson movies before. And we've, we've <laughs> turned them down for various reasons. Uh, the Couch Trip, which also came up last episode because fucking Mary Gross is in this that. This is one we keep, we keep hitting on. Do you want to just pull the trigger on it? The Couch Trip? I mean, I think we've been waiting for Dan Aykroyd, but... Yeah, well, because Mary Gross is also in The Couch Trip, as we... <laughs> discussed last episode when we were picking a Mary Gross movie. Um, okay, yeah, The Undercover Kid, if we can find... There's no way we're finding this. Or it's also called How I Saved the President, so I'll search for both of those. The Undercover Kid, a.k.a. How I Saved the President. If you want to torture my ass with a fucking Pure <laughs> Flix movie, I, fine. You know what? I'll, I'll leave that to you. If you want to fucking pull the trigger on that, that's on you, motherfucker. You, you're telling me... You have no interest in watching a Jeff Fahey, Victoria Jackson Look, two-hander? I, I'm a Jeff Fahey fan. I love body parts. I love uh, <laughs> so am Frank Lapidus on Lost. I, I will defend Jeff Fahey. Uh, and if you want to fucking watch Marriage Retreat, The Soccer Mom 2, whatever the fuck it was, I don't even know. Sure. <laughs> but know that I blame you for that. Brother White with uh, fucking Carl Winslow's in there. And David A.R. White apparently playing himself. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's look for Marriage Retreat. Oh God. Because <laughs> if that's on here, I want to. I want to watch that. I don't think it's going to be on here. Though. Oh, I hate our <laughs> podcast so much. Have more and more every week. It's just like it. Because now it's not. It's not even like what are we doing to us? What are we doing to ourselves? What are we doing to the small but committed audience that listens to this? That sat just sat through an entire podcast about big business. We're like, I I imagine when I listen to podcasts, a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I, I haven't seen that movie. I mentioned I'll watch it and then I'll listen to the podcast about it. And review. how many people? And I mean, I'm not I'm not arrogant enough to think it's a lot. How many people went? Oh, I guess I'll watch Big Business and see what they think. What did we put those people through? What are we about to put those people through with fucking marriage retreat? I gotta look and see. Look, you can look it up. We can find it later. We'll either watch marriage retreat. Or the Steven Seagal episode of SNL. I think we're just settling on that, right? Okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, okay, so yeah, if we can find Marriage Retreat starring Jeff Fahey and Victoria Jackson, oh yeah, we're watching that. And you know what? You're not going to know which one, so if you do want to watch everything that we do, you have to watch both of them in anticipation for the next <laughs> podcast. And if we don't talk about one or the other, then that's just your fault. Well, if you're having trouble finding Marriage Retreat, keep at it. Cause, keep looking. Because we definitely found it. <laughs> go to a go to a fucking dirty 
<laughs> abandoned blockbuster video and just dig through the fucking ashes. For some reason in my head, I thought you were going to like go go to a dirty glory hole and find Marriage Retreat. Like, why would it be there? Just scour the streets Look, late at night. If the you only, got Marriage Retreat on DVD. If the only available copy of Marriage Retreat is like 150 bucks on Amazon, know that we bought the other two that were available and we're watching it. And if you want to watch it, you got to spend that 150 bucks. Uh, yeah, so Marriage Retreat from 2011, or, and probably more likely, the Steven Seagal episode of Saturday Night Live. Which is notorious because I think, like, pretty much everybody involved in that episode says that he was their least favorite host. Steven Seagal is one of the worst hosts in Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live history. And one of the worst human beings to ever be in movies, I think. Yeah, but I will argue... I think the Steven Seagal episode is pretty good in the fact that there's some sketches that he's just not in that are fun. And also, um, the sketches he are he is in are pretty bad. Like, it's fun to watch it for that. Well, I'm looking forward to that. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just put, let's just say we're doing Steven Seagal. Fuck Marriage Retreat. Now, now when is it? Let, we weren't going to find it anyway. I'm very curious to see if there's like a Bieber energy where like it's clear the disdain that the cast has for him while they're doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, I'm on the lookout for that. So, yeah, let's let's do that. All right. Steven Seagal, season 16, episode 18. Steven Seagal and Michael Bolton. Oh, make it even better for me. <laughs> Got some Michael Bolton action in there for I mean, us for, too. for the record, if you're like a fucking millennial, you think Michael Bolton is, oh, that guy from that hilarious Lonely Island video and he did that Netflix special and he's all funny and shit. Nope. This is pre-irony Michael Bolton. This is when he sucked and everybody was like, hey, this is how shitty he is. He's got to make fun of himself years later to recoup. Oh, I don't know. He was a, he was a pretty big star. I don't know. Um, I... Uh... I never liked Michael Bolton when he was, you know, big, but, um, uh, yeah, the Lonely Island changed my mind on Michael Bolton. Now, since I like that so much, I now enjoy classic Michael Bolton unironically. I don't, I mean, I mean, it's just, a, I mean, I don't think he's like untalented. I just think it's a style of music that I'm, I don't really appreciate that much, but, uh, but yeah. Okay. So you know, Steven Seagal, Michael Bolton episode of SNL next week. Off. Is that all we have? And you know when I'm down to just my Uh, socks with time uh, There's nothing else. It's business time. Get off the shit. sexy like is that it i know what you're trying to say girl you're trying to say oh yeah that's it and you tell me you want some more well uh i'm not surprised but i am quite sleepy